Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, welcome to It's a Doggy Dog World. I'm your host, Liz Palaika, with my good friends, Petra Burke. Hello. And Kate Abbott. Hi, dude. And I want to preface this podcast that if you hear any whining in the background, or not the background, if you hear any whining up front, Petra and I do have some foster kittens here in the Kindred Spirits Dog Training office at the moment, and Kate's terrier is absolutely sure he should interact with said kittens. And <laughs> There's vermin in this place. <laughs> The kittens aren't uh, bothered at all. They're just sitting in the crate watching us. But Quill is on Kate's lap watching them. So if you hear a bit of of whining in the background, that's what's going on. We're not hurting or killing anybody. Quill just thinks something must be done. So, So anyway, today's podcast is going to be on managing your dog's behavior versus training, with the emphasis primarily on management because there is a time and a place for both of those things either management or training for example right now my almost five week old or five month old puppy sunday they're going to be five months old i think we need to update our listeners about the puppies oh okay another podcast yes and pedro's puppy willow minus seven are not in the office right now as we're recording because their training is not yet to the point that they can be quiet for the whole process. So they're outside in a dog run. That's management. (laughs) (laughs) If we had them here in the office with us and was working on them being quiet, that would be training. But anyway, I'm going to turn this podcast over to Kate. She'll be leading it and Petra and I will be kicking in our ideas on management versus training. What is management? In my mind, it's controlling the dog or its environment, but it's not training. It is making sure the puppy doesn't get into trouble, or um, if you want to change a habit with any dog, you want to make sure they don't keep doing what you don't want them to do. And sometimes that requires crating them, putting them in an exercise pen. You know, a leash can be a management tool, It can be an awesome teaching tool. It can also be just a management tool to make sure a puppy dog doesn't wander off and do something you don't want them to learn how to do. So, for example, an exercise pen set up on a tile floor with potty pads and a crate and a bowl of water so the puppy can spend time there while you're at work, that is management. Right. If you're actively watching the puppy to teach house training skills and taking him outside and praising him for going potty, that's training. Ideally, management is something fairly temporary while the training is in process until the training becomes part of your puppy dog's routine and they know what to do. So, good reasons to manage, to make sure the problems don't happen. Limit his opportunities to practice an unwanted behavior. Break a bad habit while you're creating new habits, basically setting the puppy dog up for success. No? Ha ha, yes. Okay. 
especially with puppies, but also with new dogs to the home. Or if you've allowed a dog to develop or learn a habit and you want to change it. If you've had not-so-pretty furniture and you got a new sofa and you want him to stay off the sofa and he's been allowed on the sofa, then... Oh, that's a tough one, yeah. That's managing it until you can teach it. So, what are your tools in management? I mean, leashes. Anything that restricts. So a leash can restrict. Uh, Tether. A lot of people like to tether a puppy or a new dog to them, to their belt, to their body. So that as they walk around the house, the puppy is learning to go around the house, but doesn't have the opportunity to chase the cat or eat out of the litter box or snatch uh, the sandwich off of the dining room table, something like that. Or wander to another room to go potty. Yeah, potty training is good. Crates. Crates are management tools. I also do have crates around for most of my dog's life. I mean, it's just also their safe zone. And there are occasions, right now we're looking at the beginning of fire season here oh, in California. Surrounded we're in with, it. We are surrounded oh. by fires. Yeah. Thankfully, none close, but there's yeah. fires all around us, except for the Pacific Ocean. Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> but Whatever the emergency is, um, Red Cross will now allow you to take your pet with you, but they must be crated if you are in an emergency shelter. FEMA's the same way. Yeah. As federal law, actually. So, I want my puppy dogs to be comfortable in a crate. It's a safe place for them to be transported within. Crate's in the back of my car. And it's, yeah. So, it's a long-term tool, but its major use at the beginning is to make sure that puppy dog makes the right, puppies especially, make the right decisions. But I do want them to enjoy that management tool. Baby gates. Matter of fact, that makes me think. I put up a baby gate at the beginning of the year when I adopted the senior citizen little girl. Uh, so she didn't wander the house because she'd been used to using piddle pads. And I did not want to keep having piddle pads all over my house. So while teaching her to go outside, I put up a baby gate. And now that I think about it, it's been propped open now for a month or two. It's probably time to take it down. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes it's a good idea to have them there. You have that one in your hallway, the hallway. and yeah. that's that's permanently installed, isn't it? Uh, no. Oh. No, but it's been nice. I mean, a couple, like teaching an older dog, or in our case, Liz and I, um, teaching my puppy. You can't freedom of the house. But then also, it kind of gives a safe space for the cats to get away. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Actually, Hi. that's why I thought it yeah. was permanently installed. Yeah. I've been thinking about getting a couple and permanently install them, my hallway mm-hmm. and the two openings to my office. Yeah. Because between fostering kittens and having a puppy and having a cat. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like the idea of being able to, okay, let's take this off limits right now. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes we just get tired ourselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just don't want to watch out for you today. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's been those moments. <laughs> yep. I'm surprised how many people don't know about exercise pins or as we call them, X-pins in the yes. parlance. They're freestanding panels hooked together so you can make uh, an enclosure. A portable playpen. Portable playpen. Some of them you can even come with a cover you can put on with bungees. Keep the cover on it. But they're wonderful to move from place to place. If you want your puppy to be with you in the evening while you're watching TV, but you're pretty sure you're not going to have your full attention on them, set up that X-pin in front of you. I have... Four of them out in the yard right now to protect my plumeria Uh, and my epiphyllums and my 
potted plants that I don't want a certain inquisitive puppy to get into. Or, because the epiphyllums have spines, tiny thorns, I don't want the puppy to grab one and end up with tiny thorns in her Find mouth. Find out the hard way. Yes, so I have, I think, four sets of X-pens, just some wooden stakes staking them up. And, and you use one of those, too, between your backyard and your gate where yes, packages are delivered? right, where packages are delivered. And to uh, both dogs, both Bones and Hero, got a little more protective when I brought the puppy home. We have a baby here. Right. And to keep them away from the gate. Yeah. So they're wonderful things. And your gate is, is low enough for somebody to put their hand over. Oh, yes. And yeah. <clears throat> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, there's a, there's about a 42-inch tall X-pen just, just putting up a boundary between the side yard and the front gate. There are some behaviors that are hard to train if you're only training on one side and i'm thinking of fence fighting mm -hmm. yes sometimes i mean it can be a especially if the other dog on the other side is still being allowed to go nanner 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 uh it can make training let's define on your it side. fence fighting is when your dog and your neighbor's dog are both running up and down the fence line with the fence in between them barking and yelling threats at each other Getting worked up, getting the adrenaline going, which causes it to be a self-rewarding behavior. I run and run and run, and all those endorphins and chemicals in my brain are telling me, this is great fun. And they keep on doing it. It's annoying, noisy. There's always that joke one of the dogs are fence fighting, fence fighting, and then they come to an open gate and they just look at each other. But that's a rarity. That's rarity. <laughs> it tends to create bad feelings about that other dog. And, and they have a chance to get through the gate. It's a fight. Yeah. Or if somebody breaks a board. Yeah. How many incidences have we heard of that one of the dog breaks a board, sticks his head through, and the other dog attacks the face? Yeah. I mean, tearing them up. It's so, not a fun thing. But training is what we want to do, but putting up, preventing the dogs from fence fighting. And if your neighbor doesn't want to play alone, you may not have any many, many options yeah, about preventing. Choice, yeah, prevention is the way to... Or even if they do, you may not, you know, people work. Right. And have to leave their homes. So putting up a visual barrier. you got a chain link fence, covering it up somehow. Putting a fence, a solid fence within a fence. And, you know, depending on where you live and, and what kind of landscaping you can put up. Here in Southern California, I usually recommend dog owners plant some bougainvillea. It grows fast. It's a great cover for a fence. And it has nice long thorns, so the dog is less apt to try to go through it. Through it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but other visual deterrents, you know, even a roll of bamboo fencing, if you can string it up on your side, or a couple rolls. There are many creative ways. You may even cover a crate when you're in the car if your dog is at the age or has in the bad habit of getting excited by people, things going by quickly. You want to train them not to do it, but you also want them to stop barking in the meantime. Especially if you're driving, because yeah. you need to pay attention to the road. So, muzzles. How is a muzzle a management tool? Lots of different ways. If you're trying to groom your dog, and maybe you know he's got some burrs in his coat or some tangles, and you don't have anyone to help you make sure the dog doesn't turn around and put his mouth on you while you're grooming him, 
put a muzzle on him, you can concentrate on his coat, and then at another time, you can teach him that he's not allowed to fight you. Uh, you visits. Put something nice in the muzzle. Yes. Yeah. To try and make a stressful situation a lot less stressful. Probably the most common is vet visits. Yeah. Most common one. Not the most favorite place for some dogs. <laughs> well, and My mind is worried, but... Where they're most likely to be injured or have memories of injuring or to smell other dogs that have been injured yeah. and that fear smell mm-hmm. in yeah. that place. So, but also, we know of a puppy dog that likes to eat poop. Oh, sure. You could prevent from eating, whether it's poop or just picking up things on a walk, until you can teach them not to do it. You can use that as a management tool. Some people prefer a muzzle as a... Uh, medical management as opposed to the cone. Oh, yeah. So what yeah. we're after is to keep yeah. not bother the stitches, stitches or the wounds or yeah. whatever. Yep. If that can be accomplished by wearing a muzzle, then uh, the back of your legs and the other dogs and the storeways are less likely to get beat up than with Well, the let's cone. specify mm-hmm. a basket muzzle, not one of the cloth muzzles that keeps sure. your dog's mouth shut. Right. The ones the vet tend to use are the cloth ones that prevent him from opening his mouth at all. But a basket muzzle, he can get a drink, you can pant. drop treats into Eat. it, he can Treat. pant if he gets warm. So definitely, if you're going to use it for any period of time at all, it has to be a basket muzzle. And frankly, if working with a reactive dog out in public... Yeah, I was about to say reactive. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether it's other dog reactive or... If it's just a reactive dog... You want to keep everybody safe during the training process. And as a side note, I found a lot of people then can relax. relax. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're relaxed. It goes down the leash, and the dogs are much better. The training becomes more effective. Yes. So a muscle is one of those things that's just like a leash. Can be a management tool. Can be a training tool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mostly we tend to use management for short term, short term, until puppies grow up and trained or till a bad habit is changed. But there are some instances where I have recommended long-term management. A client called about the dogs fighting at food time over their bowls. And in this particular household, it is the woman alone with three great Pyrenees. That's a lot of dogs fighting. It's a lot of pound of dogs fighting. Well, I'd, have, I'd have one in the back room, one in the bedroom, one in the living room, one in the garage. Or Well, what is interesting is that she already in her home has three Pyrenees-sized crates set up. Oh, well, there you go. She used them in the evenings. And if she had company over. Okay. So I'm like, you've got them. You've got them set up. And the dogs are used to them. Let's use them. <laughs> so... Trying to train them not to be food reactive is possible, but the consequences, if something failed, could have been quite bad. bad yeah, because what is she going to do with three of them? Right. Uh, she could end There's up no in way. the middle of it. No well, way. and the dogs had already ended up getting stitches, each one of them. Uh, so we don't want her in the... Yeah, yeah. So uh, feed them in their crates, yeah. period. Yeah. And there was the silence, and she was like, oh. <laughs> never thought of that. You're right. Okay. Less Thanks. stress for her. No vet bills. Dogs are relaxed in their crates, eating their food. This, that's a win-win, I'm thinking. Uh, yeah. I'm uh, looking to go talk to a woman who wants to adopt an Irish wolfhound, which is lovely. 
but he is reactive to men and children. And she's got nieces, and she has the occasional milk visitor. He's also 10 years old. You're not going to change him with training. Not at 10. Not First enough to make back up, I'm shocked he's safe. 10. Exactly, an Irish wolfhound. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's a long age. life. So there's probably not much time left. No, and even manage whatever she's got left. Whenever a dog is that reactive, I'm not sure you can ever be 100% safe. So I'm like, get a crate. Put him in a crate when somebody comes over. And lock the crate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or have it in another room. Yes. And close yeah. the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we need to take a break for our sponsors. So hold on. We've got a lot more to talk about when we get back. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're begging for more. So back to It's a Doggy Dog World with your fetching hosts, Liz Palaika and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke. Welcome back to It's a Doggy Dog World. Today's podcast is on managing your dog's behavior versus training. There are people that manage dogs pulling on the leash by simply using a management tool to allow the dog to pull in a safe manner, such as a harness There's or a head There's so many harnesses oh that gosh. are not Somehow I knew safe. you were going to go, oh. <laughs> I know that people use them, and I know a lot of people swear by them, but... But when they come to our classes, and they're in those harnesses, and they're so frustrated when we do the walking, loosely leash walking or heel, and then we suggest something else to teach them. A training tool, as opposed to a management tool. It's amazing tool. how much the people are like, yeah. oh, this is so much easier. And it just hurts me oh, to watch yes. the harnesses that tweak the dog's chest to the side or binds his legs so he can't take his a step. shoulders together, the it's elbows just, together. I know there are some harnesses that are comfortable that don't hurt, but so that's many not of what we're seeing, though. That's not what we're seeing. No. Okay, and so. I will confess to sometimes putting a harness on my Jack Russell Terrier quill. Maybe but if I'm going to be in a trained. place, he's trained. He doesn't pull on it. Right. What it is for me is a safety luggage handle. Yes. I can pull him up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do the same thing with Benji. He's trained on a leash. But the same thing, the Pomeranian, right. little tiny thing. But well, I do have a harness so that, yes. If I go somewhere, I can, like, push him. I'm just <laughs> visualizing having one on bones and leaving him up. Oh, he would bite me in my sleep. Right. He would be absolutely horrified. <laughs> For regular listeners, Bones, my seven-year-old English Shepherd, who, who I do have to manage at times because he considers himself the playground supervisor. And that all other dogs who are rowdy must be herded like a proper herding dog should do. And they don't all like it. So I do some management to keep 
He's very well trained, but I do some management to control his herding instincts and his playground supervisor instincts. But thinking of the idea of having him on a harness and heaving him over my You're shoulder. Right. <laughs> He'd be like, what you doing, Mom? Oh, me, he would down. not be happy yeah. about that. Nope. Nope. <laughs> so, but small breeds, yes. small breeds, like Kate and I have, that works out great. Yeah, would I ever think about putting on my ESs? No, no. But with the palm and the Jack Russell, yeah, you can just lift him up. Oh, my doctor legs. wants me to do some strength training. <laughs> Bones heave, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! See what you started, Kate. And it's inimical to the way we feel, but there are some people who just don't want to train loose leash walking, but they still want to take their dog out. Right. So to go back to the head halters, right kind of harness or head Yes. Right. To go back to the head halters, though, Dax wore one for all thirteen years of her life. She was an Australian Shepherd working lines. Very strong working lines. And she she was reactive. Her head halter became a muzzle combined with training. And a reminder for her. Mm-hmm. A management tool for her mm-hmm. to acknowledge, this is on me. This is a reminder that I must behave. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Became a training cue in a way. Yeah, a training right. cue, a management tool. Right. A way to protect her, a way to prevent the unwanted behavior. Protect her from making a bad mistake. Yes, yes. Protect yeah. her from making the wrong decision, yeah. Now, in all the years yeah. that I've owned We're and trained dogs, her. she's the only one that I've ever had to do that. Yeah. But Dax was unique. That's <laughs> yeah. kind of the way, it's the same thing with counter-surfing dogs. Sure. Um, sometimes they may have to be crated, fenced off, maybe even muzzled. There are things they can get into trouble with when they're counter-surfing, life-threatening things. And so we want to make sure they, A, don't get rewarded for a behavior we want to train them not to do, and keep them safe in case a mistake happens, and mistakes I always happen. have to admit, I have some Facebook friends who will go unnamed, and their breed of choice shall go unnamed, <laughs> who laugh about counter-surfing. Oh. <laughs> She got up and she got this and that and this and that. And it just horrifies me because there are so many things that, I mean, my house is pretty safe, but there are things on my counters that if the dog's got, it could be a problem. Hey, I put up a whole roasted chicken. Dog runs off with those splintery bones inside that chicken. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, that's, That's, yeah. Potentially life-threatening. Yep. Yeah. Mm Mm-mm. Of course, there was the time that one of Petra's dogs got a steak for her husband, <laughs> and she had the dog drop it, spit it out, and then she rinsed it off and served it to her soon-to-be ex-husband. Yeah, it was the last time he countered, sir, but he also did not inhale. There you go. He did not swallow that steak. That wasn't the point. <laughs> soon-to-be ex-husband. <laughs> yeah. Leave it where to <laughs> And then a lot like blocking the fence fighting visually, you can might do the same thing temporarily with your home windows, depending on, well, a client was in a condo on a very busy street. Sure. That window was probably 15 feet from the street, and it was active. So for a while, we blocked it off. While we taught the dog, they could hear the noises and still keep their minds under control. 
and then a little bit of visual and then calm down. So it was a way to keep the puppy dog's mind from going crazy while training. And I've been doing something similar with Seven. My garage is between the street and the house. So there's no windows to look out to get reactive towards. But when kids come home from school in the afternoon, the street itself is busy, especially with skateboarders and bicyclists and groups of middle schoolers going by. Laughing and giggling. Laughing and giggling and pushing each other and shoving. And Mm -hmm. so what I've done on, I try to do it at least twice a week at that time. I open my garage door, put one of those X-Bends across the garage opening and I have a chair out there and I sit out there with a book and a glass of iced tea. The two older dogs are like, yeah, 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 we know what's going on. They'll watch, but they don't react, which serves as a good model for the puppy because the puppy's going, oh, wait, they're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. But should she try to react, I'm right there and I can respond to it. So it's management as in see what's going on, watch the adult dogs, Notice that the adult dogs are not reacting, and then a bit of training if I need to step in. Well, actually, the other dogs are helping trainer too with, oh, their, yes, sure. with their attitude. Sure, the combination of both. So it's that difference. True, true management is really not training. I mean, if you rely on a harness and, and let your dog still pull you, then if you switch the leash over to a buckle collar, your dog is not magically going to heal with you. Uh, a management tool does not train, but it can give you the space and time to train while keeping everybody safe. And then sometimes you have to choose your battles. Well, you took a deep sigh. Thinking about changing behaviors. If you have tried to stop smoking, tried to lose weight, especially if you've been heavy for a period of time, tried to cut out sugar or carbs or anything else along that, For us, we have the motivation. Most of the time when we start to do one of these things, we have the motivation to change. Perhaps your weight is, myself, I'm too heavy. I need to lose weight. I've got some motivation to do that. But when we ask our dog to change behavior, dog doesn't have a problem with pulling. (laughs) Your dog doesn't have a problem barking at the kids coming home from school. So not only do we need to manage the activity until we can train. We have to provide the motivation in the training aspect so that the dog is willing to make a change. And then there's the whole training process. So it can be convoluted. Reminds me of an actor going up for a role, going, what is my motivation to play this part? Yes, exactly. We're asking a puppy dog to change the part that they've been playing. Right. And many of those behaviors are self-rewarding. Dog gets an adrenaline rush, or the kid's coming home from school, the dog barks, the kids keep walking down the street, the dog goes, yay, I chased him away. I'm powerful. Mailman. Mailman, yeah. Amazon delivery people. Yes, yes. So there's a place for management and and use it wisely. But um, And I have to admit, there are a few occasions. My, I've got two of my dogs that are very sound sensitive, and I live very near to where my city sets off their firework display. It's like practically your backyard. My entire house shakes and quivers. Yep. I get startled, and my two pups lose their mind. Now, when my oldest was younger, I actually worked through desensitization. I got the CDs, and I 
started the sound low and built it up until he was fine with the 1812 overture going off at full speed. And I'm like, great, got that done, put it aside, and then we had a thunderstorm two months later. Boom. Here in California, we don't get thunderstorms often enough, and 4th of July only comes once a year. You know, I noticed that because when I went to visit Kayla a couple of weeks ago, we had, during the five days I was there, three of them. In Kansas. Woke up in Kansas, yeah, let me go. Non-California in Kansas. Three of the days waking up, I woke up to the thunder. And her three dogs are so chill, snoozing, didn't even phase them. Yet, if it was us here, my guys would be like, oh my God, what is it's that? Because we don't. We don't get them. We don't get them. We get I, maybe. We had one, what, a month and a half, two months ago? A yeah. little? Yeah, it was, I, it was in the mountains. Yeah, and that was yeah. it. And, and I'm just not motivated year. to continuously de- recondition 360 days a year for the four or five days that there are loud noises. So, yeah, when it's the 4th of July, when it's a thunderstorm, we use... Thunder shirts? Thunder shirts. <laughs> we use crates. We use white noise machines. Mm-hmm. We use... Benadryl. Benadryl relaxations. And frankly, we use four tires and get out of the area for a while. Yes. Have RV, will travel. <laughs> Especially 4th of July. I can't predict thunderstorms, but I know. 4th of July and New Year's. And so I just manage those occasions so that their stress levels don't go crazy. Right. So I'm not really, I'm not trying to change his behavior, but just making sure that his reactions don't get him lost, mm-hmm. injuring or himself. Or fear's not fun. Yeah. No. Fear's not no. fun. Bones is okay with thunderstorms. He's okay with hearing the bombs being dropped or going off or the artillery at Camp Pendleton. He's absolutely fine with those. But 4th of July, I'm not in the same community as Kate is, so I'm not near the Vista fireworks, but I'm not far from the Oceanside fireworks. Well, you don't even have to be near them. you got, like in my area, stupid neighbors. Well, there's neighbors, too. They yeah. do it, too. That's even yeah. worse. They often think that guns are the same as fireworks. Yeah, and, too. And this past year, 4th of July, Bones asked for his thunder shirt. Yeah. It was hanging on the hook where the leashes are, and he got my attention, and he went, he pointed at it, stood him up, put the thunder shirt on, and I could watch him go, oh. yeah. and then he went back to my bedroom, which is probably one of the quietest rooms, and he stayed back there for a few hours. Thanks, I needed that. Yeah. Putting a Band-Aid on a wound is management for a while, yeah. and sometimes you just need to keep wrapping it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And if you're using management for cases of aggression... I want, I'd like everyone to keep in mind that accidents are not planned for. Accidents always happen. That's why they're called accidents. And management is going to fail at some point. You can reduce those chances. Again, I'm not picking on livestock guardian dogs, but a woman called about training for her livestock guardian dog because bit somebody for the, bit the third person. And she wanted more training. And I'm like, you know... If you had been able to say, stop, down, leave it before the bite, your dog would have done it. But what happened was the management failed. Somebody didn't close the door to the run carefully. So more training is not going to do any good. My husband and I had two female Australian shepherds who took a, well, I was going to say a significant dislike to each other, but they hated each other. (laughs) And it started when the younger girl reached adulthood. And decided that the older girl was no longer allowed to push her around. 
or tell her what for. And they started fighting. And we tried management for a while. One dog in, one dog out, one dog in the crate, one dog out of the crate. It was a pain in the patooey. And it failed. And we had fights. And we had bad fights. They were not fighting for dominance. They were fighting to kill each other. Yeah. And eventually we had to put one of them down. Because that aggression spread to other aspects. She was just, she became mad at everything because the fighting had just reached a point that it was all encompassing. And, you know, the hardest thing in the world is put an otherwise healthy dog down. But you can't have a dog who's, who can't be managed either. Right. Yeah. And what are the consequences of a management failure? Yes. So if you're dealing with reaction, anger, aggression issues, at least increase the possibility the management will help by, if you've got a, a dog run, great, put a lock on the run. And I put that key around your neck. Who? It was a couple of years ago that somebody came to me. They had the dog in the run. They had put a carabiner clip on there to keep it. But Uncle Joe or whatever his name came over and he was sure he was the dog whisperer. And he took the carabiner off and walked in on the dog. Okay. <laughs> And he paid for it. Mm. And and I'm like, well, yeah, stupid is. But if there'd been a lock on it, at least they could have told Uncle Joe he was being stupid. And you mentioned it earlier. Take the crate, put it in a room where you can close the door. Even better, a locked door. At least try to have a couple of layers of management, not just one. It makes life harder to unlock the lock and then open the door. But if your alternatives are another animal or a person getting injured take that extra time so well hopefully that gave you lots to think about i don't think there's a magic answer for every behavior problem but certainly nope. every dog and dog owner is going to use the various aspects of both management and training whether you've actually thought about it in those terms or not so think about it you'll probably want to listen to this a couple times if you want to take notes <laughs> overall we use we tend to use management techniques as a foundation for training but sometimes it is just the because you've got to start somewhere yeah. Yeah. yeah all right well that's it we hope to you tune in for our next podcast bye-bye bye having a rough day longing for the dog days of summer think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life well find out everything you're begging to know as pet life radio presents it's a doggy dog world with pet expert and award-winning author liz palaika every dog has his day and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand only on petliferadio.com